Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is Bill Press and Friends on the District Productive Network. I mentioned this yesterday because I really have fought with this in the week and a half or so since the election. Oh, could Bernie have won? And I do think I finally landed on, yeah, I think Bernie would have won this election. I really do. I'm not crying over spilled milk. I'm not trying to say I told you so. I'm just saying we need to look to Bernie and other sort of successful progressives uh, when we look at where we're going to take the party moving forward. Here's Bernie Sanders yesterday. It is time for a new direction for the Democratic Party. And that's something Bill's been saying. I mean, you can't just say... Okay, we're going to have a little bit of a leadership shakeup. We're going to have uh, Chuck Schumer now lead the Democrats, who's been there forever and ever and ever and couldn't have been more wrong about how to run this national election. Um, Nancy Pelosi announced that she is going to run uh, in the House again, or is is up for uh, in the House to lead the Democrats. Uh, And our friend from Ohio, Congressman Tim Ryan, also said he's going to run. He's going to get in. Which would be... Big deal. That's a really big deal. I mean, first of all, uh, if you come at Nancy Pelosi, you better not miss. Yeah. You better not miss. And so if he goes down this path, this could be a very long and painful time in the House for him. By the way, I read a report overnight. They're trying to draft Biden for DNC chair. Let me tell you something. I'd love it. That'd be brilliant. That'd be brilliant. I like Keith Ellison. I think Keith Ellison's got a great vision for the party, and yeah. I've said that for a long, long time. But if you're someone who thinks maybe it should be a full-time job, uh, Joe Biden would be great. I, I mean, don't, I don't think Joe Biden wants that headache. Yeah. Frankly. Well, and and he's also Biden, technically speaking, is a member of the Democratic establishment, right? He is. But I mean, I have to but say, he's sort of removed in a. Yeah. Sort of hard to explain why. No, I mean, you know? he he is part of one of the more popular tickets in the history of the White House. I mean, when we look at Barack Obama, when he leaves office, especially all things considered with who is replacing him, he's going to leave office with probably the highest approval rating of any president ever. Lord willing and the crick don't rise between now and January. But, I mean, he's going to walk out of here. And who doesn't love Joe Biden? And again, I keep coming back to this 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 point that I, I made yesterday. This is not some giant rise in Trumpism. This is not some giant rise in uh, or, or some backlash against democratic ideas. I think that the Democrats had a flawed messenger for uh, their platform with the president uh, uh, presidential candidate this year. I think Joe Biden can speak to rural voters. I'm not so thrilled about having a white man uh, in that position, but Joe Biden could get it done. I'll tell you that. Hey, we got a lot of stuff coming up today. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to jump right into the Trump transition team stuff because there is a lot of news that came out of this yesterday. First of all, we now know that Michael Flynn uh, has been offered the National Security Advisor job, which is a big, big deal. He's going to be overseeing uh, all of the national security uh 
protocol here in America. Um, I don't know how I feel about uh, Michael Flynn. I think that he certainly didn't do himself any favors during the election. But, you know, uh, he's a military guy. I love the James Clapper stuff yesterday. He resigned. <laughs> the director of national intelligence for Barack Obama, James Clapper, came out yesterday, and uh, and he's, he's stepping aside. I uh, submitted my letter of resignation last night, which felt pretty good. I got uh, 64 days left, and I think uh, I'd have a hard time with my wife, uh, anything past that. Uh, okay, dude. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Dad. I submitted my letter of resignation last the thing about The thing about Clapper is Clapper reminds me that even the sort of goofier members of the Obama administration are a dream compared to what we're fixing to have. Like, compared to what we're about to have, give me goofy-ass James Clapper, who, who who did not have the greatest run as director of national intelligence, by the way. Uh, but yeah, i take him over literally anybody that Trump could put him in that position. By the way, going back to General Michael Flynn, yeah. possible, likely member of the Trump team, Trump yeah. cabinet. Yeah. Uh, has a somewhat zany Twitter account. His son, who is his chief of staff, also has a somewhat zany Twitter account. Uh, this was posted back on November 2nd from his official account. It's verified. You decide NYPD blows whistle on new Hillary emails. Oh Money laundering, sex crimes with children, etc. Uh, Must read URL as truepundit.com. Yeah, baby. <laughs> By the way... You know what I want to do, Jamie? We should mark this down because I do want to do a uh, I, I want to do an interview with someone about all the the fake Facebook news stories. Big thing this week. It's a huge thing this week. And by the way, it, it's real. It's a real problem. I mean, I have a lot of family members. They get their news exclusively from Facebook, and that's a real issue because I have seen so many garbage, 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 and wrong posts on Facebook. The big bombshell, the big blockbuster from yesterday is uh, a couple of things. First of all, Donald Trump met with the prime minister of Japan, Abe. And what I found so telling, and you, you pay attention to this because this is going to be a move that the Trump administration is going to pull forever and ever, amen, as long as they're in power. They essentially told, his advisors told the prime minister of Japan before he met with Trump, okay, so all that stuff that he said on the campaign trail those were just words. Okay, so I know you probably got a lot of things you want to talk to him about. And you probably got taken some issue with some with some things he said on the campaign trail. You've got to remember, though, that's, those were just words on the campaign trail. That's not how he's going to lead. And so this is the template. We're seeing the template that's being put into place for how Trump is going to be dealing with world leaders. Is He's going to tell them, I'm full of hot air. I won the presidential election by blowing hot gas at the American people. None of it mattered. That's what his advisors, that's what his people, that's what his handlers told the Prime Minister of Japan before they had their meeting yesterday. So naturally, the uh, Prime Minister of Japan walks away and says, this is a very good meeting. I look forward to what Donald Trump is going to do. I think that we have a great ally. Nothing matters. That's the takeaway here. Not a damn thing matters. Nothing. You can say whatever you want and get away with it. 
And, of course, the big bombshell is this weekend. He's back. Mittens. Willard. Mitt Romney is back in the mix. He's meeting with Donald Trump this weekend to talk about a possible role in Trump's cabinet. More specifically, Secretary of State. Now, from where I sit, not a horrible choice. Uh, compared to Rudy Giuliani? Not a horrible choice. Compared to Rudy Giuliani? Compared to John Bolton? I'd take, I'd take Mitt Romney in a heartbeat. I mean, he's not going to be any uh, Hillary Clinton or John Kerry, who've done, who did great jobs in that role. But Mitt Romney, I mean, good God, Democrats would vote for Mitt Romney in a heartbeat at this point. <laughs> he's a serious person. My prediction is Mitt Romney ain't going to take this job. Mitt Romney's not going to run for president again. He's not going to run for office ever again. But Mitt Romney has a legacy that he needs to sort of keep intact. Going to work for a man. I mean, do you remember how Mitt Romney came out and just obliterated Donald Trump on a very national stage? I mean, he was like the last stop here. He was the closer. He was the guy that was going to come out during the primaries and shut down Donald Trump. And guess what happened? Trump only got stronger. It's almost like he feeds off of the hate of other Republicans. Mitt Romney didn't come close to stopping him. So I think that part of the thing that's going on here, by the way, is Trump just sort of taking that victory lap. And he's making all of these guys uh, come to Trump Tower and kiss the ring. All these guys that he's already embarrassed once by ascending to the presidency. He's making them come to his home turf and just kiss that ass of his. Cameras outside, reporters staked out at the elevators, and they gotta, they're going to have to watch Mitt Romney saunter into Trump Tower. And he's probably going to go up there and Trump's going to just say, like, yeah, you know what? I'm not being serious about this. I just wanted to see your face. Why don't you, I just wanted to see your face if you had to come here and Kiss my ass in front of everybody. President Trump. I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think that Donald Trump would pick Mitt Romney. I don't think Mitt Romney would do it. I'd love to hear from you at BP Show on Twitter. By the way, uh, Donald Trump also yesterday, we're getting a look at how he's going to uh, let us in on how he's running the government. A couple of hot tweets last night after 9 p.m. from at real Donald Trump. That's our president, guys. Real Donald Trump. Well, there's a big question of whether he takes the POTUS handle and whether the tweets from the POTUS handle are going to be the same as the tweets we see from the real Donald Trump handle. Prediction, Donald Trump will not tweet from the POTUS. I mean, he'll have people who do it. I agree. He ain't giving up that real Donald Trump thing. That's his sweet, sweet lady right there. That's his juice. He ain't giving that up. Uh, he, he sends out a couple of hot tweets last night. Just got a call from my friend Bill Ford, chairman of Ford, who advised me that he'll be keeping the Lincoln plant in Kentucky, dot, 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 no Mexico. <laughs> Tweeting is only Donald Trump can. He also goes on and says, I worked hard with Bill Ford to keep the Lincoln plant in Kentucky, 
I owed it to the great state of Kentucky for their confidence in me. Okay, great. Donald Trump is keeping jobs here in America. If you read those tweets and you look at how uh, the Trump campaign is addressing this, you would think that there was a Lincoln plant in Kentucky that was going to move to Mexico, and Donald Trump talked to his good friend Bill Ford and convinced him otherwise. That's positive, right? Isn't that positive? Here's the thing, though. It's all BS. It's all BS. Ford, Lincoln, they were never going to to get rid of any jobs in Kentucky. Now, there was a rumored move where they were going to move, and this is the reporting in the Washington Post, where they were going to move uh, one particular brand of Lincoln car that was going to be made in a factory in Mexico. But there were no jobs going there. I mean, they weren't getting rid of any jobs that are already at uh, the Kentucky plant. Things are going so well there that they're just moving one of their cars out of there and taking those people and putting them on other jobs. So it's a zero-sum game here. No one was going to lose their job. And they weren't going to move an entire factory to Mexico. But, as I said before, nothing matters. Post-truth is the word of the year for 2016, according to Merriam-Webster. That is post-truth at its post-truthiness. Joining us now, Deputy Editor for CQ Roll Call, Jason Dick. Follow him on Twitter at Jason J. Dick. Democrats had one of the worst election nights they've had as long as I've been alive. Correct. Uh, they're, they're at a historic low in terms of members of the House. Yeah. They've lost, you know, Senate seat after Senate seat. They've lost legislatures. There are 33 Republican governors right now. They are on the. Uh, there, th- this may be rock bottom, but there's still there's still a few more like <laughs> layers that they could they could fall through. And the you know the 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 news you know this week was that Nancy Pelosi had originally uh, and and her leadership team had originally scheduled leadership elections for November at the end of the month, uh, the 30th. And then they they moved them up when she, when there was, you know, just all of a sudden, right after the election, they moved them up to this week. Well, once the caucus pushed back and said, hey, we need to discuss this, we need to be more deliberate about who's going to lead us in the next Congress, yeah. they moved it back to the end of the month. So Congressman Tim Ryan, he's a Democrat who represents Youngstown, mm-hmm. the old Jim Traficant seat, uh, for those of you uh, who were paying attention in the early part of the aughts uh, to the colorful Jim Traficant. Uh, Tim Ryan uh, is a is a is a young, you know, he's been a I won't, I won't say rising star because I hate the I hate the cliche, but I mean he he is a he's a young uh, member. He's, he's 43 years old. He used to form this sort of group of young Democrats in the 2005, 2006, and so forth, who who would go to the floor and they would talk about Democratic priorities with Debbie Wasserman Schultz and Kendrick Meek. So he uh, is is politically ambitious. He's been there for a little while. There was talk that he was going to start setting up a run for governor in 2018, but he has thrown his hat into the ring. And it is unclear if he has the kind of support that he would need to topple somebody as entrenched in power as as Nancy Pelosi. But it's for a lot of Democrats, it's a positive sign that, hey, we have failed. We've fallen short of the majority for four straight elections in the House. Something needs to change and something needs to change at the top. Okay, so after President Obama leaves office, I would say probably the highest visible Democrat at that point is going to be Chuck Schumer. Correct. 
Uh, we talked about this yesterday. Chuck Schumer uh, doubled down on the Hillary Clinton strategy mm-hmm. of ignoring white working class voters and aiming to get um, those urban moderate Republicans or minorities. And we now know that that was probably what killed the Hillary Clinton campaign. 30 seconds. Do you think he's learned that le- learned a lesson? Chuck Schumer learns very quickly, which is one of the wa- reasons he was the most one of the most successful DSCC uh, D- Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee chairman that they've had in the last generation or so. So I would expect that he is looking over the data as we speak. All right, that's reassuring if you're a Democrat. This is a topic that we talk about often here on the Bill Press Show, and that is conservation. Uh, and so I wanted to talk to President and CEO of the National Wildlife Federation, Colin O'Mara, who is in studio with us. Colin, thanks for being here, man. And Peter, thanks for having me. Uh, man, you hear this guy? This guy, I, I just, I was going to say. Voice, I want to hear this guy read the phone book. Voice you got like the nails. pipe for radio, man. <laughs> Come on. Oh, man, it made me feel so unnecessary in here. Um, hey, so, so let me first of all talk a little bit about sort of what it is that you all do at the National Wildlife Federation, because it's a broad, it, it's it's a broad landscape. No, absolutely. And so the National Wildlife Federation was basically created in, in the 1930s by President Roosevelt um, to bring together the hunters and anglers and the birders and the gardeners and basically everyone that loves wildlife. And so I got as many conservative members as I do Democratic members, which makes us very different than a lot of the groups. And basically the goal is to increase wildlife populations, get more folks out hunting, fishing, birding, camping, get more kids outside and more environmental education. Um, but the goal is to make nature relevant yeah. kind of in this modern world. I am so on board with that. I, I like this is me talking I, hippies kind of drive me nuts but i i totally have some of that brother nature in me where like i gotta leave my phone at home and i gotta go out i gotta go for like a little hike i gotta go camping or something it is it, it is like the cheapest form of therapy that you can have as a human get outside <laughs> jimmy fallon had this great thing saying look if you try to figure out what to do go to google maps and just type in outdoors just just type yeah. in outdoors and yeah. go somewhere right just, yeah just you know, get outside it really best is medication you can possibly have it's so therapeutic just get outside uh, okay, so on that front uh, of of what you all do, how let's first of all take a look at the last eight years. Uh, Barack Obama, um, how how has he been? In that regard, like I mean, I think the second term, um, it's been pretty spectacular. Um, you look at his public lands legacy and the monuments he's designated, the places that he's opened up for more access, the number of places that folks you know can go hunt or fish or, or, or bird or camp um, has increased dramatically under his administration. Um, there's been Obviously, a lot of progress on the climate front has been a huge priority for him, both globally and at home. Um, you know, I think there's some areas that we would like to see more around sure. wildlife specifically. We've got a lot of species that are in crisis, and it's not just enough to kind of save land. You actually have to restore habitat and connect some corridors. But you know, overall, I mean, he's, his legacy is going to be up there with Theodore Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, you know, in that, in that kind of caliber. Really? Of, absolutely. That's encouraging to hear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned the endangered species. Where we where we stand with all that? Where where are we with that? Yeah, I mean, I think I think this is one of the the holes in the administration. Um, and there's about there's about there's more than 1,500 species that could be listed as endangered in the next couple of years. And we do a really good job in this country. 1,500 species. 1,500 species. Jeez. And there's a there, we've done a really good job in this country saving things that we hunt and fish. So sure. like deer population is about half a million at the turn of the last century. We're at 20 million now. You can't cross a major highway without seeing one. Yeah. And so the things that we've funded, we've done really well. The problem is that we don't really fund all the rest of the species. And so you got you know monarch populations that are down 90% right now. You have bee populations that have been cut in half. You see issues with like you know salamanders and different kinds of frogs. 
frogs and different kinds of turtles. Um, and the problem is that those are all, if we don't figure out a way to get ahead of them, you'll see pretty restrictive regulatory kind of restrictions put yeah. on you know, land users and landowners and others if we don't get ahead of it proactively. And I think this is one of those areas where there's collaboration potential, but it's a, it's a growing crisis. We've got about 8,000 species over the next 50 years that we're really concerned about across North America. When we talk about those species, um, what is it that's contributing to their downfall? Is it a I mean, is it overhunting or overfishing, or is it a climate change thing, or what? what yeah, it's what it's, it's, actually, it's actually not overhunting and overfishing. I mean, right. For the most part, um, those are you know set by wildlife professionals, and there's limits. And um, as a hunter myself, I mean, there's you know they're very well regulated. Um, there's a climate impact. You having you know changing temperature ranges. You have invasive species that are coming in and sometimes sure. competing whether that's actual actual animals or, or vegetation that's changing. You get a lot of diseases that mm-hmm. we haven't seen before, and you have a whole lot of habitat that's been fragmented and sliced and diced in different ways. And so you know big things like you know a mule deer that can't all of a sudden you know, kind of get across you know, kind of the Wyoming Plains because there's different kinds of oil and gas development or a moose that's in, you know, in, in New Hampshire that all of a sudden now is facing winter ticks that aren't dying that are basically sucking the life out of them. So, like, the, the causes are very disparate. Oh, that's all just sucking the life out of them? God, that's, that's hardcore, blood, man. Blood suckers, right? Yeah, like, literal, like, blood literal suckers. blood suckers. And so, like, the causes are many, but a lot of things are things we can get at. I mean, of course, we have to address the overall kind of climate question, yeah. but there's a lot of individual things. Like, like, if we just put milkweed in our backyard, we can help with monarch populations. Right? Wait, There's really? all little things that we can do. Well, that's actually, that's actually right. encouraging. Yeah. So, t- t- let's talk about some of those things. What can we do? So, right? yeah, I mean, I think especially for like smaller species, like in our backyards, like we can do a ton, right? You have mm-hmm. a little bit. So we have a backyard, a certified backyard habitat program, the National Wildlife Federation. Cool. And it's pretty simple. It's like have a little bit of water, have a little bit of food for wildlife, ideally native plants, you know, mm-hmm. things like, you know, flowering ber- or berry plants or, you know, different kinds of um, coneflowers, things that have a lot of nectar pollinator plants, um, have a little place for, for, um, for little ones to kind of raise the, for, for, um, little, for cover for, for predators, mm-hmm. a little protection, and then mm-hmm. a little place to raise the young, young, young birds and things like that. If you do those little things, you'll see a ton of wildlife in your backyard pretty much overnight. And now these are all things you can get in your local garden shop. And so one of the things I, I spend a lot of time talking about as I'm traveling is that if we can get kids to do their individual part, you can basically crowdsource some yeah. of these solutions, right? If everyone does, if everyone in the center of the country right, did a little bit for monarchs, you could bring back hundreds of millions of monarchs, right? That's really encouraging. And doesn't necessarily need government all the time to be the, you know, be the driver. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now, do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for The Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Lauren Fox is with us, political reporter for Talking Points Memo. You can follow her with the great Twitter handle, Fox Reports. Thank you. That's pretty great. And read her good work online at Talking Points Memo. Well, let's talk about what it's going to look like with President Donald Trump. Um, he campaigned on repealing Obamacare on day one. Yep. Day one. We're going to have this repealed. Um, but your reporting at TalkingPointsMoment.com says that one, at least one GOP senator, says it's not going to be quite that easy. It's very difficult. And yeah. I think that Republicans who are serious about policy 
recognize that this rhetoric of repealing Obamacare has been tricky for them and they finally got exactly what they wanted. They're going to be able to do it. They can do this through a budget reconciliation process, which requires a simple majority to pass it. And all of a sudden they realize, like, this is going to be really hard. I don't think it's all of a sudden they realize. I think they always knew it was going to be really hard. They just didn't really expect to find themselves in this Mm. position. So they're flat-footed right now. Like, they don't have a replacement plan. They know that if they repeal this right away, there are going to be millions of people who aren't going to have insurance right away. And, you know, people want to complain about the Affordable Care Act or the prices on it. Not having insurance is still scary for those constituents, and they know it. Um, So I think that... When we, I talked to Lamar Alexander yesterday. He told reporters, "Look, this could take up, this could take years to fully be flushed out, repealed, and replaced." And I think that that is a pretty sobering note. Um, there are a lot of House Republicans who are still saying, "Let's do this. Let's have a reconciliation yeah. bill ready for Donald Trump to sign." And I think that it's going to be a little bit tougher than that. And the Senate's going to slow roll the House on this. I have a feeling. And we've also seen Donald Trump himself sort of walk back. His whole, you know, categorically um, uh, uh, repealing Obamacare. I mean, he knows that there's some good things in there. He knows that the optics of taking away all that health care for all those people is not a good look. I mean, he's not a dummy. Exactly. And I think that what Donald Trump's strategy will be, and I think what we've started to see from him, is that he can either back away from promises or follow through with promises on the campaign Mm. trail. And if they don't go well... He can he can blame it on sort of some other force yeah. out there, what, whatever it is. What I thought was so interesting is yesterday he met with fan, and before the meeting, apparently the Trump team, the people uh, sort of who set up the meeting and were bringing him in, they just said, look, there were some concerns about some of the stuff that he had said on the campaign trail, and his the Trump people were just like, look, that's all in the past, none of that matters. We're starting fresh. Nothing, none of that matters. Which is like a theme. From the whole campaign, nothing matters. But the problem with nothing matters. You know, the problem with meeting like a meeting like that is the fact that you campaigned on not liking trade deals, not liking trade deals that have been essential to U.S.-Japanese relationships for a long time. Yeah. And I think that he's going to disappoint constituents and people who voted for him fairly quickly. Whether or not they place that blame on him, I'm not sure. So now that we've seen that he wants to keep some parts of Obamacare, a signal that he wants to keep some parts of Obamacare, I mean, do we have, I mean, in the days of the transition, do we have any idea what it could look like? There are some people saying that it might, like the repeal might get pushed back a couple of years. Well, I think that what they're looking at right now is what you do is you start to push through budget reconciliation. But when you vote for reconciliation, that just gives the policymakers time to work on the problem. That's how Lamar Alexander explained it yesterday. So it's going to give them some time to flush out how to do the repeal and how to do the replace. That could take years, sure. Um, But I think there's really a strong difference of opinion right now about whether or not the repeal needs to come first, then you set a deadline for the replace, whether you do them simultaneously. No one on Capitol Hill could really answer that question. And in one sense, they've had six years to decide how they're going to do that. On the other hand, I think this shows you how absolutely stunned every single person was that Donald Trump won last week. Yeah, completely stunned. Yeah. Just completely and utterly shocked. If they thought he was going to win, I think that the Republicans might have been a little more prepared. (laughs) All right, Matt Fuller from the Huffington Post is in studio with us. 
Go follow him on Twitter at MEP Fuller. Uh, Nancy Pelosi shrugs off leadership challenges, the article I hold here in my hot little hands, written by Matt Fuller, who sits before me. Uh, Matt, is Nancy Pelosi in any real trouble from uh, Tim Ryan, who said he is going to run? I don't think she's in any real trouble from Tim Ryan. The, the trouble was potentially from Joe Crowley, who's the uh, vice chairman of the Democratic caucus and now says he's running for caucus chairman. Uh, it might seem a little bit odd to some folks that he announced that he was running for caucus chairman yesterday after sort of dodging questions um, about whether he's going to run for minority leader. And then minutes later, Tim Ryan says, OK, I'm going to run. So there's clearly something going on here where he was, you know, gauging the uh, level of support for a potential run in leadership against Pelosi. And, um, you know, he has a point, And I think that a lot of Democrats feel that way. But also, you're not going to cross Nancy Pelosi. Um Especially when she's given you, you know, thousands and I mean, she's raised millions and millions of dollars over the course of the 14 years she sat atop Democratic leadership. So yeah, I don't see that happening with Tim Ryan. I just don't think Democrats have that that fire in them like uh, Republicans do. Yeah. So, and then I yeah, I just don't see that happening. And maybe this, maybe if you can convince Crowley over the week that there should be a run or something, but I, I don't think he's going to do it either. This feels like uh, Tim Ryan positioning himself. Uh, to run for governor, governor of Ohio. Governor. Yeah, I mean, he's passed on governor before. He passed on the Senate race. Um, I know he has a national consultant that he's paying now. So it looks like he's sizing this up, raising his profile. And I think it's a win-win for him. And you usually don't go in there and burn your bridges in the Democratic caucus, uh, even with Nancy Pelosi being 76 years old. I mean, her tentacles go very deep in that caucus. Yeah. So if if he's doing this, I, I imagine he doesn't really care about what his standing is within Congress. Right. Right. So <laughs> right. He, he can burn that bridge, I think, and uh, in fact, probably does himself some favors by removing, moving himself away from putting some distance between him and Nancy Pelosi in, in Ohio. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. Um, but you cover Congress. One name uh, that we're hearing a lot this morning. Is our new Jeff Jeff Beauregard session? That's what I said. Jeff Beauregard session. Beauregard. Jeff Beauregard session. I'm honored by Mr. Trump. The honorable Jeff Beauregard. <laughs> so Jeff Sessions from Alabama is uh, <laughs> is going to be at least Trump's pick for Attorney General. First of all, we've had a lot of questions about this already. Uh, do you think he's going to get confirmed? It's a tough one. Um, I, 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 I can tell you that um, I was catching wind of this a little bit. You might have noticed there was a couple statements last night um, from senators saying, you know, Jeff Sessions would be a fantastic pick for attorney general. Um, Richard Shelby had one that was, I thought, pretty direct that didn't leave much to the imagination here. And what, what I've sort of heard is that senators were contacted by Trump's team and said, hey, we're a little bit uh, nervous about nominating him can kind of reassure us and um so I, I think that everyone knows it's going to be kind of a fight i mean this guy has been um uh, rejected by the senate before in the mid 80s oh yes yeah, so let's talk can we talk about sure. that i would yeah. love to talk about that yeah, what happened was, there well he was deemed too racist to be a federal judge too racist <laughs> for 1986 yeah, yeah under reagan that was good times yeah i mean there was uh reports that he had said um he was okay with the the Ku Klux Klan until he found out they were a bunch of quote pot smokers. Yeah, uh, he was cool the, with them until he found out that they smoked pot. So this this by the way this DOJ is going to be fantastic I think. <laughs> Get ready. But yeah, he called another uh, uh, an African American man boy yep. once. Um, I mean there's just a whole history and then you could go into his his 
whatever 20 year voting record here yeah uh, and delve into that um he called uh, white uh, attorneys who worked with uh, African-American clients traitors to their race. Traitors to their race. Traitors to your race. To the, to the uh, yeah. yeah. I, 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 I can't say he's donned the hood, but <laughs> <laughs> he's he's not, you know, terribly uncomfortable with those people. Yeah. Think, yeah. yeah. He doesn't maybe own a white hood, but he can get one on short notice. Yeah. He knows a few guys. Yeah. He knows a couple <laughs> guys. Yeah. He got a couple guys to get that hood. Uh, but so square this with me. You look at Jeff Sessions, as radical as you could probably imagine with, to, to be mainstream, <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah. Right. He's a radical conservative within the, within the mainstream Senate. Yeah. Yeah. Radical yeah. conservative within the Senate. Um, square that with Mitt Romney um, being floated as Secretary of State. I personally, I think it's BS. Yeah, it's BS. I I, I just don't see that team of rivals coming together here um donald trump is not abraham lincoln uh, <laughs> uh you know he wants mitt romney to come in and say hey you know donald you're great and kiss the ring and <laughs> i think you have another term for it maybe but yeah. uh, I, I i was saying i i think there's so many people that donald trump is just inviting to trump tower just to rub it in that he won and i yeah, I would not be surprised. You're being considered. <laughs> I would not be surprised if, like, Mitt Romney comes into Trump Tower, gets on those gold <laughs> gilded elevators. He goes to the top. He meets with the Trump team outside. All right, Mr. Trump is right inside this room. He's right. He's right. Mr. The president-elect. He's, he's, president he's ready to right. see you. Someone swings open this, this large sweeping door, and Trump is just there with his pants around his ankles and his ass out. It just says, kiss my ass, Romney. Just a pasty white. Yeah, just a fish belly white <laughs> ass up in the air, ready for Mitt Romney to just go in and kiss it. That's what I think Trump is literally doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm, sh- I'm actually surprised that Romney even said, yeah, I'll, oh no, I'll go. I don't, I, I don't get that. Why would he go? Yeah, I don't get it. I, I mean, He's playing it, the members of the American public for suckers. Yeah. Play- <laughs> yeah I mean, remember, they yeah. hate each other. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think that uh, Trump hates a lot of these people he's bringing in. I don't think he likes Ted Cruz. I don't yeah. know what Ted Cruz is thinking there. Even if he offered him a job, I would s- assume that that would not last long. And you know, you're fired. Yeah. And that that's the end of Ted Cruz's career. So. But what's what's interesting to me is all the weird names that have been flying around uh, with the cabinet. So far, the ones that he has settled on are all very very predictable. Yeah. Right. You look Flynn. at the Steve Bannon. You look at Flynn. Oh, sure. Yeah. Even Wright's Priebus, uh, Jeff Sessions. I mean, these are guys who were ride or die. Right. And I think Trump. that's his biggest thing, right? Yeah. I mean, he's he's clearly loyalty is his number one criteria here. Yeah. Right. So Listen, I don't think Romney. Would Mitt Romney's not gonna be Secretary of State. Yeah. <laughs> Nikki Haley's not gonna be Secretary of State. Yeah. Number Bring one, in. I don't yeah. think he's gonna have him. number two. I don't think they want that uh, gig. <laughs> This is the Bill Press Show. It is the Bill Press Show. We've got about a minute left in the program. Please go out and have a great weekend. We all need it. I was, I mean, if, speaking from personal experience, I was still just a little too shell shocked last weekend to actually go out and enjoy it. But this weekend, uh, whatever steam you've got, go blow it off this weekend and. Uh, Soon we're going to get to the point where we're going to have to talk about the Trump appointees and whether or not they can actually get confirmed. 
Go do a bunch of drugs, drink a bunch of booze, get it out of your system. <laughs> Jamie, I can't support that. I mean, I'm not going to not support it either, but I can't endorse <laughs> or that. Or not do it. Uh, or not do it. Look, who knows what's going to happen this weekend? There's no predicting. Donald Trump is meeting with Mitt Romney this weekend to talk about a possible Secretary of State role. I think that's going to be yes, um, but... Let's see. Today we found out it's going to be Michael Flynn in charge of national security. Joe Pompeo uh, from Florida is going to be in charge of the CIA. Mike. And uh, and Jeff Sessions is going to be the attorney general nominee. So a lot more to come. We'll talk about it with you right here on Monday. This is the Bill Press Show.